BJ Council. I view the world through the lens of having been followed by a white clerk as a child while shopping in a five and dime. I'm a retired police executive and own UN50, which gives guidance on surviving interactions with police. I'm Harmony Chavis, and I view the world through the lens of one of the most misunderstood and diverse generations in our nation's history. I'm a social worker and a believer of radical kindness and love as modalities of healing. My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how. All right, so welcome back to folks who have uh, just joined us for the first time. Thanks for joining us and those those of you that are hopefully some of my faithful fans that are, that are toning in to UN50. And for those of you that don't know, we, um, we broadcast out of Durham, the Bull City, and we've been doing this for a while. It's UN50. My name is BJ Council, and UN50 is an organization that teaches uh, people how to safely interact with law enforcement. Uh, we don't just talk about law enforcement. We talk about mental health. We talk about uh, schooling. We talk about all kinds of stuff, because as far as this organization is concerned, uh, the issues uh, that, in particular, that affect marginalized and black and brown bodies is larger than law enforcement. My UN50 is good for anybody. Anybody can uh, learn from it, and then that's what we try to do. Been doing that since 2015. So tonight, what we have is a guest who we hopefully some of you also tuned into our webinar and uh, met one of my panelists who's on again tonight. We've had a couple on, so you can get to go know them a little better because we really didn't have a chance to kind of get into the into deep conversations, though we did have conversations uh, about what they saw from their perspective. Uh, and if you remember, one of the things is that was key for, for me was education uh, that keeps coming up. And, and for me, and when we did the webinar, we were talking about if you educate individuals, it gives them a, a solid foundation if you do that early on. So I have my, one of my panelists here tonight is Lisa L.A. Jones. She is a retired federal prison warden. She is also in seminary school, I think still in seminary school. Yes, still in seminary school, and she is also co-executive director for Haiti Reborn, and the, the, the portion is under that larger umbrella, but it's called Justice Movement. I want to ask her to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, she and uh, Stephen Chalmers, who's past police chief here, are co-executive directors, and I kind of have to say this, LA kind of dragged me along to be a part of it, I, and I'm excited to be a part of it, because as she puts it, it's heart work. And um, it it and that's kind of if anybody out there knows me, that's I'm all about the community. Uh, so this this just kind of continues to do what I've done for the last thirty years. So I'm 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 happy. I'm blessed to have met her. I had never met her before. Didn't know it. Just didn't know anything about her. And I am just happy to be able to, to say that I know uh, L.A. So L.A., thank you for saying yes. Well, thank you for saying yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, thank you. You yeah, are. <laughs> we're, we're working with each other. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate it. So, so go ahead and just kind of tell the guests a little bit about your past history. I definitely want them to talk about, especially you know, being a black woman and the warden at a federal prison. You know, you went into the seminary, and I just kind of want you to give them a little brief history about who you are, where you come from, and then we'll get into some conversation. Sure. Um, as you said, I'm I'm L.A. Jones, uh, Lisa, and uh, I'm originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Grew up in the uh, woods, 
and, uh, <laughs> in a four room, a four room lean to shack with holes in the floor. Oh, and, uh, here we stand go. in the front door and look out the back door. And uh, no running water. And, and wow. we, uh, we used an outhouse. That's there you go. There you go. Wait a minute. I got to stop you there. I got to stop <laughs> you there. See, I, see, I'm going to tell you how bougie my family was. We had a farm, right? And next to the field, we had an outhouse. It was a two-seater. I'm just saying. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, y'all were, were uptown. Y'all were uptown. We were bougie. We had two-seaters by the field while we uh, out there bringing them back. two-seaters around my way. Oh, buddy. Go ahead. I'm That's sorry. Just... <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, mm. And, uh, you, you know, I was the first member of my family to go to college. Wow. Uh, I don't know what put in my mind to go to college. I was never encouraged to or told that I had to. I, mm -hmm. I just knew that I was. And in fact, just to show kind of where we come from as a people, uh, I didn't know enough about college to know that I needed to apply. Wow. A guidance counselor never asked me about going to college. Mm. Um, and I showed up the day that college started and went to what I learned later was the registrar's office and said, uh, oh, I, I want to go to school here. So oh, oh. That, that's actually the way that wow. I got into college. Wow. Um, wow. Just a, a long history of the abuses that come along with growing up in poverty, especially for black and brown girls. Mm. Um, I was the oldest of six, uh, born to a 14-year-old mother who had mm -hmm. been uh, victimized herself. Mm -hmm. The uh, the sire, my sire was 40 plus, wow. uh, and a member of the family. So it 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 wasn't an an easy beginning. Um, you know, grew up with some with a lot of trauma and a lot of troubles. And of course I was raised old school, old school Baptist. We didn't, we didn't go to therapists. Right. I, I was raised right. to believe that only white people went to therapy yes. Yes. and that we took it to the altar and left it there. You know, um, you go <laughs> and you pray. And if you're not feeling better, then that means that you either didn't have enough faith or mm. you didn't pray the right prayer. Right. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I never got any help for any of my trauma until I was an adult. Yeah. Uh, I left, uh, left school, went into the army um, because I felt like that my family needed an income more than I needed an education. Mm. Uh, did that for a few years. And then I went and uh, worked for the Texas Department of Corrections at the time. It's, it's, TDC, TDC uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice now, uh, Justice Division. And while I was in there, I, especially being in Texas, I learned that the law, uh, the law wasn't the same for black and brown people that it was for white people. I, I'll never forget mm. how uh, shocked I was when I found out that there were two inmates who were co-defendants, one black, one white, and they did the exact same crime. You know, both of them had the exact same thing in their hand. If you looked at their files, they looked identical, but yet uh, the, the person of color, he had twice the time 
that the white yeah. boy had. Wow. And I just never really understood that. So it was very fascinating for me. I always felt like that the real way to understand why, um, why the law seemed to work differently for black and brown people, I felt like it was to be inside the system to learn. I've always been able to understand systems. Uh, you know how, how some kids, they... Um, they have this mechanical thing where they'll see something and they can take it apart and then put it back together yes, yes, uh, to yes. see how it works. That's the way my mind works with systems. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the ability to kind of take them apart and, and put them back together to see how they really work. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like what I found. So I continued to do the work because I felt like that as I increased in the ranks, that I would be able to have a say-so over how an organization that I was in charge of, how it was run. Right, right. You know. Well, yeah. so, how long so. were you a uh, warden and where were you a warden? Oh, I was, um, I was an associate warden, an interim warden at uh, Jessup, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I was there from, 2015 to 2018. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was uh, getting ready to make my next move, which would have been a permanent warden spot um, here in Butner, North uh -huh. Carolina. Uh -huh. And uh, the voice, the one, the, yeah. you know. Right. Uh, said I was done. Uh, I just knew all of a sudden one day that I was done. Okay. It was difficult, BJ, because I sat and watched a whole lot of uh, young people come back into prison. And I was always curious uh, about why. Why were you coming back? And right. uh, my, right. yeah, my, um, yeah, yeah. My, my master's degree is in criminal justice. It has a specialization in corrections and also in behavioral studies. Okay. So I've always been fascinated with the why. Right, um, right. right. And, so, and so, yeah, when they were coming back, I was like, why? And what I yeah. realized was yeah. that the prison reform that was going on in the system, um, it, was, it was really just surface because there was no re-entry reform. Mm -hmm. So when you release a bunch of individuals at one time and they come out into the community and there is not a network, a system of uh, services or resources for them, you doom them to mm -hmm. repeat past behaviors yeah. for no other reason than they don't know anything differently. Mm -hmm. And also because the world keeps moving, you know, it doesn't yeah. stop. When someone right. goes to prison, the world doesn't yeah. stop. That's right. So That's think right. about how quickly mm -hmm. uh, technology moves for those of us that are out here in it. Right, right. So can you imagine you're gone, even if you're gone for three or four years, right. the technology is completely different yes. when you come back, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And depending upon what you did while you were incarcerated, as far as obtaining a skill or something of that, that nature. Yeah. 
you come back out and you're you're lost yeah so yeah. so yeah um it's yeah. uh i uh I've, I've done i was actually fortunate enough i was the only black female to be uh the penitentiary uh captain in a penitentiary mm -hmm. uh in the history of the department of justice when i was in there wow cool um, so not only was it uh, uh, a challenge because of, uh, of, of race, but it was a color because I was not a man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it is, yeah. it, it was, uh, it was a lot. I learned a lot while I was there. Good. And, uh, but at the same time, I was extremely fortunate because it enabled me to feed my family and to feed them well. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank you for that. That's a, yeah. You uh, you've done a lot, seen a lot, and and you care a lot, obviously. Uh, and and the fact that you know when we get to the end of this, I kind of want you to talk about the system that you guys are creating that you just talked about for those individuals who are returning to our community. Um, what I also would like to say is that I often use the word as to. I mean, I enjoy being law enforcement, but I also was not. I was one of those individuals like, so why do I keep arresting you? Right. Why do you keep doing That's that? right. You know, I want to know why. Yeah. You know, BJ, yeah. it's because there are some of us who, you know, they use the old metaphor about you come to a stream that's filled with dead floating fish. Right. And, you know, depending upon who we are is the way that we respond. Some people immediately go over there and say, poor fish, and they right. start scooping the fish out right. of the water. Some of them are like, oh my goodness, the, these decaying bodies are going to be a negative impact on this ecosystem within the water. And, and so they start looking at that and taking samples of the water and, and researching all these things. Uh, yeah. You and I, we, I know from past conversations, we're the people that hang a left and go upstream because we want to know what's <laughs> killing you. Yeah. And I, I really need to understand why. Yeah. You know, right yeah. now there's a really big, uh, there's a lot of conversation about uh, gun violence. Yeah. What are we going to do about gun violence? How are we going to control gun violence? Well, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm also, uh, um, you know, I believe that we draw to us that which we put our energy into. I believe in the law of attraction. I do, I, and I do, I believe that the more we fight against gun violence, the more we draw that to us, especially when I don't believe that gun violence uh, is the problem. I believe that gun violence is a result of the problems. So I feel like the way that we deal with gun violence is by getting to the root cause as I mentioned in, about my interest in behavioral studies, right, I think right. we get to the root cause. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that we have to address yes. uh, in, in order to heal our community. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've been law enforcement. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm now in seminary. But I will tell you, I, I believe that in order for, if we think that it is either or, either yeah. your Black Lives Matter or your, you know, back the blue, then I, I think that's a false choice. I don't believe it has to be either or. I believe that we can believe that Black Lives Matter stand up 
and, uh, and work toward that. And at the same time, support ethical law-abiding law enforcement who are out there doing their job to protect the community. Mm-hmm. It can be both. Yeah. And, uh, and until we realize that, uh, that we need that bridge, we're in a downward spiral. And uh, you know you can't police it away, and mm-hmm. you can't just love it away either. Yeah. There has to be you. You've got to offer love with accountability, and uh, that's one of the ways that we look at things over at the Haiti Reborn Justice Movement. Um, some people <clears throat> are going to have to go to prison. Yeah, they just are. You yeah. you can't kill another person and think that it's okay. Right. Okay. Because it's not. And, but when they come out of prison, they paid their debt to society. That's right. And therefore they are entitled or should be to the same rights and liberties as the rest of us. You know, I'm taken back to my grandmother. One of the first things, my grandmother taught me this better than anybody else in the world. Now, some folks may not understand, but I come from the old school of corporal punishment, okay? (laughs) My grandmother would get a switch in a minute. So, you know, it was that, look, I told you that if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. Mm -hmm. So when I did it, which inevitably I did, (laughs) earned every whooping I ever got, I earned it. (laughs) When I did that, I would get punished. But then she would turn around 10 minutes later and say, come on, baby, get something to eat. Because it was over. You know, can you imagine the life we would be living if we were all still held accountable for every mistake that we made in our lives? Right. Yeah. There'd be no success. Right. Wow. Yeah. 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 I know about the the whippings too. (laughs) And look, don't be bringing them back in small either. You better not. <laughs> you better not. Because if she have to go get it, it's a yeah. problem. Yeah, it's gonna be a treat. <laughs> it's gonna be a treat. Uh, so, so what I want to worse know, than that was sending one of your siblings to get it for. Oh, oh yeah. Boy, they would come back with the treat. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I, you know what I also want to just kind of talk about is that you know the webinar that we've had and we talked about and the, the what we feel at least from my perspective and, and our perspective what what was that that we felt like you know what I see when I go to calls you know substance abuse mental health domestic violence lack of education so for me you know at least at that ground level so I kind of want to hear you know the individuals that you were working with in the prison or kept coming back you know, what was it that you feel like was kind of the, the root cause of that? You know, what was it that was lacking that they, you know, when they came out, they, you know, they couldn't get it or they didn't have it before they came in. And definitely, obviously, they didn't get it when they got back out the first time. So I just kind of want to talk about, you know, what and build on what we talked about at the webinar is what is it that keeps continually pushing black and brown folks and folks into the, into the judicial system and prison from your perspective? Oh, wow. Um, that, that is the wow, is all I'm going to say as well. Um, you know, it, it is a multifaceted problem, which is yes. one of the things that makes it so difficult to address. Exactly. Um, a couple of things off the top of my head. Number one, mass incarceration. Um, mass incarceration created a void out in the community. Um, 
I always say that not only are the people who commit the crime, not only are they justice involved, but then their entire family to include their children, the children yeah. of the incarcerated, yeah. they yeah. become justice involved. But wait a minute, before, before you even go in for I want you to say that again. <laughs> you, that, no, I mean, not, you know, people don't yeah, really think about it. I mean, you know, that, they're like, well, they're not, they, only, they it, not only is it the individuals that yes. commit crime, yes. it's their families and yes. especially their children, children. who yes. become justice involved. Yeah. And children, they truly are the most innocent of victims. Mm -hmm. they, they can't control what their parents do. They can't control the life or the family that they were born into. They have no help. So what they do is they end up growing up in an environment that is not conducive to them uh, learning and uh, uh, eating healthily and um, reading and, and things like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not, I, as I always say, I do not speak for all Black people. I am me. Okay. Right. Oh yeah. And right now I am not speaking that this is the way of all black children or brown children, but I have seen it time and time again. And uh, when you're dealing with the effects of mass incarceration and it doesn't necessarily mean that the parent that's left home, whether it be the mother or the father doesn't love them, what they find themselves having to do is to be both parents. They find themselves having to go out and work twice as hard and then not only take care of those children, but also send money to, uh, to the institution so that uh, their significant other can have money on the books. Yeah. We yeah. can all sit down and talk for hours about whose fault that is. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to tell you whose fault it is not. And that's those children. It is not those children's fault. That's right. Okay. That's right. So when you have that vacuum and then those kids grow up wanting, whether it be attention, whether it be money, right. just right. love. Yes. And then one parent is gone and the other is working, just mm -hmm. trying to survive. Yeah. That child is going to look out and they're going to look at Whoever's going to show them some love. Yes. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's the local dope deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's the local gang that comes along and is a family to them, the family that has the time and attention for them that they want and that they're not getting any, from anywhere else. So mass incarceration, and, and that's just a tip of the iceberg. We're yeah. not even going to talk about the, the socioeconomic Right. Uh, devastation that yeah. comes to communities uh, when we have mass a mass exodus of able-bodied, strong, working people, especially yeah. Uh, men. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, you know, that's one thing. Um, another thing is the historic criminalization of black and brown skin. Um, the uh, criminalization of drug abuse, of mental health uh, or mental illness. And unfortunately, some of these very children that we were talking about, BJ, become the ones 
that are that end up with untreated mental illness right. that yep. end up finding finally founding some finding some peace of mind yeah. but they find it in the bottle in the bottom of a bottle of alcohol or they find it in pills or they find it in some other type of drug they find it in illicit behavior because they feel this camaraderie with the group that they're running around with in the street yeah yeah. And I mean, those are just a few. Of, yeah. Of, uh, no, and and I mean, but see, I think for me, and obviously for the both both of us, you know, the reason we try to do these podcasts and have these conversations is to, to let general Joe Blow public know this is what we deal with. You know, I'm you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know, I, I go, I do my little presentations. Really, y'all ain't the one I need to talk to. <laughs> you know, when it comes down to it, y'all ain't the one I need to talk to, but y'all need to understand who I do talk to and who the police, I'm talking to the kids, but you, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation because when you were talking about the parent in, in, or person in prison and the, and the one that's home trying to do all that, that speaks so much to what I'd see out on the front line in law enforcement. You know, it's like, you know, mama doing all she can do. Or daddy doing all she can do. He they ain't home, so now the kids outside. We we dealing with them as a popo, right? And 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 you're right. They they find whatever they're gonna do, and then we can and then they have to listen to a mother that has several children, and she says to you, "Child A, gotta let him go, cause I got four more. I don't lost him. I mean, a mother says this out loud. And it's hard. I have yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, she's like, it's, it is. It's like. I got four kids and I, I try, I'm gonna have to let that one go. I'm gonna have that because I got four more. I mean, she's making this decision to try to at least try to sell save these four because she couldn't take she, she people don't understand that. That's real. Yeah. Where That's she real. feels like that the needs of the many have to outweigh yeah. the needs of the few. Yeah. And the one that is yeah. crazy, you know, we're talking about children, young people who grow into adults who yeah. are broken. Yes. Who are yes. Broken. Yes. It's not you. You know, you. There were so many times when we had individuals who were uh, within the institution who were severely mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Incarcerating them was doing nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. So I mean, you know, a lot of it, and that's why I said it's multifaceted. A lot of it is policy related as well. A lot of it is related to the politics that get played with the lives of average citizens. Mm -hmm. You know, the mm -hmm. politics that get played with those of us that they feel are disposable. Yeah. Those that look like yeah. us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, it, it's all so, it's so difficult. And then what happens is yeah. we're told by those people to blame each other because our life isn't what we want it to be. Yeah. Because when we're blaming each other, we take our eye off the money. Take your eye, yeah. Take your eye and off those with the money, those are, those are really the individuals that we have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we're we're all in this pot together. We are. And and no, and you talk about taking your eyes off the prize. And then one of the other things that we talked about a little bit while I talked about it in the webinar is folks, y'all gotta vote. 
Oh man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, and I get, you know, folks, well, I, I don't want to, but, but yeah, yeah, boo, you do. You, you, you got to vote. I mean, I, I hear, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Vote. And it's more than just the presidential election. Oh yeah. I mean, I if you make that no more, you need to take you a look. You need to vote. It, you need a president vote. can yeah. get away with anything. Yeah. As long as he has enough support. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, yeah. From senators and congressmen to yeah. get away with. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, we we that's I, where the power is. Yeah. And I think the work that you do, I do, and the work that some of these other women that do, I mean, we're on the ground. And that's kind of why we did the webinars. Like these are black women on the ground, like you, like you that have seen this stuff up close and personal. And we I want to educate folks. And we got to understand that this is real. This is day in and day out. And we got to figure out, we got to help our folks. We got to help our folks. We can't just keep saying, oh, he, you know, he, no, no, we got to help this child. And somebody put it to me like this. It was like, go to elementary because that's and, and start there. Because that's called she this is an educator. She said that's proactive. And then when you get to middle school, that's intervention. She didn't even say anything about high school because I think we all understand that at some point, if you get beyond that, I mean, because you're pushing it at middle school nowadays, you know, in high school, I'm not saying they're all lost souls, but what she's saying, proactive down here, at elementary. Come on in here, let's get this done. Let's teach it, let's let's make it easy for them to understand it's okay to go to a counselor. Let's make that. Let's make people in that space available to them, to that entire family that's coming in every day with this kid. You know that it's okay, black folks, to, to lay down on the couch every now and then and 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 do. I'm okay taking it to the altar. Look, but you got you got to do it. I, I had to take it somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, but what somebody said that you know what it, with that faith got to do a little work. That faith got to do a little oh, work. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> even you know John Lewis and others, they always talked about you got to pray with your feet moving. <laughs> You know, you, you gotta pray with your feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, for those that believe in the Bible, I mean, that faith without works is dead. I mean, yeah. you've got to, you've got to get your hands dirty and move. Yeah. Your feet. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me a little, a little bit about. I'm, I'm, I want you to talk to the, about the justice movement because I don't want to end without doing that. But I kind of want to, from your perspective, you know, because I, I, I know I've been around you long enough. He's, you're all in it, you know. It's out the passion. It just, it just, I used to tell Steve his shoes squeak with community police when I was working with him. Right? You just ooze with this heart and want to do right for stuff, and I appreciate that. I mean, I'm, I'm learning enough. I, I enjoy being in your space and everything. So thank you for that. I mean, it, it's you know, it, this is what I like doing, and you're giving me an opportunity to do that. But just kind of just, what's it going to take for us to be able to, for us to hear that it is, it is, it's us. It, it's our moment to do something. Cause it, it you know what I'm saying? We, we're in this space right now. Stuff is just like, oh, and it's, it's up to us. And I, when I say us, black and brown folks, cause ain't nobody killing nobody, but you can talk about me and the popo shooting somebody 16 times in the back. Like I'm down in Kinston right now. And I don't even know when the last time they shot, shot somebody black. But I can probably tell you when somebody black shot somebody black. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying, what I want to ask is, what do you think is, the, I mean, what is it that's going to get folks to go, oh, okay. Oh, I know. What, what's it going to take? Wow. Um, From your perspective. <laughs> I have, I, I personally believe that when a, a black person shoots another black person that we are killing ourselves, that we yeah. are, that, that we're looking in a mirror and that uh, 
and that it's painful to do that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we are, we're out there, we're fighting over land that does not belong to us. Uh, we'll say my neighborhood, my block, my whatever, it's not, doesn't belong to us. We built this country, but yet we don't stand in our power and our purpose enough to put our shoulders back and say, yeah, I built this country and we can do it again and we can do it a different way. And we don't have, you know, I always, I have a saying um, that most people kind of uh, understand and you probably heard it being in the office, but that's that success is the greatest revenge. Um, I, I understand being mad. I understand being angry. I understand being frustrated. There's so many times, I mean, I can have whatever job, whatever career I want, but when the, when the police get behind me or when someone goes to stop me or something, I'm black first all day long. All day. And it's, fright, it's frightening in this country. But what we have to realize is The powers that be want us hopeless. They want us to feel hopeless because when we feel hopeless, we turn on ourselves, we turn on each other. That's what we do when we're hopeless. If BJ, if we would ever stop and stand in our own purpose, in our own glory, realize that each and every one, let me tell you something, there is nothing that a politician hates worse than for the public to get pissed off. Nothing. Right. Because then right at that moment, we are basking in our power. We know, and I'm not talking about burning anything, blowing anything up, rioting, hurting, or shooting police. I'm not talking about any of that. I am talking about strong people that are standing up in their purpose and saying, you will either give me what I have coming or I will vote you out, period. It's that simple, you know? And everything, it, it, this is, and, and when I say it's that simple, I mean that statement or right. that stand is that simple because there is nothing simple about a system uh, built on uh, uh, racial oppression. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing simple about that because what we really have to do is we would have to, white supremacy is woven within the fabric of our country. So if you've ever had something that was woven, how do you pull that one string out without unraveling the unraveling whole thing? It. Right. I mean, good gracious. Right. So we do it by taking ourselves and doing what we can to do to make ourselves successful. And then we find like-minded people and we band together with those people and we work with them. There's some folks out there who just don't know where to go for help. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, if they don't know where to go for help, call the justice movement. Hey, go on, go ahead and talk about justice movement, girl. Call the justice <laughs> movement. Um, you know, the justice movement is 
not a, we are not a program. We are absolutely a movement. Um, and what we do is we're organizers. See, in the city of Durham, there are so many not-for-profits or community-based organizations, I mean, that do everything. The problem is people don't know about them. They don't know what they do. And I'm talking about people like us, BJ, who yeah. we don't realize that something is out there. So we go and we create it again. Right. So you have a lot of duplication of services. Mm -hmm. And when you have a lot of duplication of services, then you have a lot of fighting over the same funding dollars. There you go. Amen. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> You're fighting over the same funding dollars. And that's a problem. Another thing is, is that when there are not funding dollars, because oftentimes when, uh, when black people have problems, we get programs, we don't get systems or money. We get programs. What happens is those programs, they come in, they are so underfunded that there's no way to make them sustainable. Now, I understand when people say, you know what, if I can just help one person, I'll be all right if I can just help one person. And you right. know what? That's fantastic. Right. But it's not sustainable. When we have, when we, when we help one person, but we've got you know, a thousand people going into poverty every day. I mean, I'm no mathematician, but that just doesn't add up. Right. There's no way that we can make a significant change when that's the way that we're going about a problem. We have to be able to do something at scale. We have to be able to do something where we can actually help a large number of people at one time. So one of the things, what the justice movement is doing, first of all, um, Steve Chalmers, ex-police chief in Durham and myself, uh, both of us, we got together. Um, Elaine, uh, before um, Mayor Elaine O'Neill, before she was mayor, uh, came and, and met with Henry McCoy, who is the founder of, of Hey Tyree Born, and said, hey, we have a lot of problems going on in this community related to crime. And I'm, I'm really, uh, Henry being a lead uh, economist, she's like, I'm really curious about what your take is on this. What can we do uh, for this? And Steve and I were brought together as well because of our uh, professional expertise. And we all looked at it and decided that we wanted to approach it from exactly like I told you before. And as dealing with the root cause of the problems instead of focusing on what individuals feel is the problem. So uh, we got together, uh, we got community-based organizations and law enforcement organizations. We pulled everybody together at the same table. Uh, and instead of focusing on who was responsible for what being wrong, we focused on the solution and what one piece, what piece everybody brought to the table. And then uh, all of these community-based organizations with all of the things they offer in the community, we pulled them in and looked at what they brought to the table. And so that way we were able to have an approach that included the entire city, everyone, 
law enforcement, social justice organizations, citizens in the community, um, everyone together. And then the justice movement, what we do uh, basically uh, through this system of, of, of networks and or these organizations, we put together a network of services so that now there's one door. You can walk in that one door and say, I need this. I'm looking for this. This is what, and so, um, so we, we, we did that. We put, made everything where it's a one-stop shop. We also solicited funding from the city and the county so that we could help bring community-based organizations that were willing to work in this network of where we may, where we could cut down on some of this duplication of services. What we did was we solicited funding so that we could help them build to capacity. Right. And we wouldn't have to worry about uh, the fact that they couldn't service large numbers of individuals in the community. Right. Um, so that was very important to us. We did that as well. Uh, the the Haiti Reborn Justice Movement, we're like conductors. You know, you can be at a symphony and if you get there at the very beginning when everyone's warming up, right? Right. Everyone's warming up, they're tuning their instruments. It yeah. sounds like mass chaos. Right. All right. Until the conductor gets up front with his baton and he taps his baton. Right. And when he raises it, all of these different pieces come together and they meld together into beautiful music. That's what the justice movement is trying to do for the community-based organizations yeah. uh, in the city of Durham and, and therefore have it where they better serve right. individuals out in the community. Yes. Uh, BJ, one of the things that the guys would always tell me when they would come back to prison and I'd ask what happened, uh, so many times people said to me, you know, boss, I, I, I just couldn't do it, Miss Jones. I couldn't do it. And I'm like, why? They're like, uh, I would go to one person and they tell me go somewhere else. And yep. then I'd go to that place and that place would tell me this is, is the place you're supposed to be. Yep. You're supposed to be over there. And then I'd go over there and they tell me I need a driver's license in order to get this. But then I would go to the driver's license place and they tell me I need what was at the other place in order to get my driver's license. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a system where it is not designed for these people to win. Right. And the same way that Matt and Molly or whomever that have parents that go and advocate for them and say, you know what, you know, my kid just needs this. I know that this is something you have in the system right? that is not being widely publicized. Right. I know it is. So I want to, I am going to demand that you provide it for mine as well. Right. That is what at the level of advocacy, advocacy that is needed, especially for justice-involved individuals. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I'm just glad to be a part of it because I, I mean, when when I think about it and I tell people about it, I said, you know, 
because uh, for law enforcement from 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 my lane is like you know you call a social worker you call somebody you know trying to help and they're like oh can't can't do it well who can i call i don't know call this right. person you know and you and you doing your best trying to help this person on the street sometimes and so they're like well you know what i'm gonna go back to what i know what to do that's you know right. how to do and and i get that i mean i would be frustrated as as much as stress i mean you got and then god knows talk about probation parole on your neck trying to get you to do stuff and so now this thing right here is like you walk in the door bj needs to get her driver's license bj need to get a ged and all i got to do is be assessed figure out to help me to be a successful because all we just need and like you said the country is built on the fact that if you go to prison, you have given your debt based on what you have done. You should That's be able right. to just get out of there and go do what you're going to do, especially if you're going to do better. That's all, because that's, that's right. all we want. But we got to make it easy for you to do better. You know, well, so. And, and the system is not designed. Uh, yeah. it, it is intentionally not designed for yeah. it to be easy. If you look back to uh, the beginnings of, of law enforcement. I mean, yeah. the first the first sheriffs and police were slave yeah. catchers. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, we're, we're talking about a long, long, long line of-, of Long, of yeah, long, 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 long. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, and, I'm and glad- we know it because yeah. those of us that were in it mm-hmm. still had to endure it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole another conversation too that I'm trying Girl, to have. That's a conversation head. we don't even have time. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, that's another one. But yeah, I'm glad you had a chance to plug the uh, justice movement. Um, I'm honored to be a part of it, and even if you know, I, it may not be able to be there as much as I need to be there. But I, I just the fact that you're willing to let me be in that space and be a part of this because I, I it, it's it's going to be a game changer. Well, you know, there's game so changer. many things that there's so many different especially being a part of, of a Haiti Reborn is great because what we do is we attack the problem in a multitude, on a multitude of different angles, yeah. which yeah. is what we have to do. Yeah. We have to uh, attack it socioeconomically. We have to attack it um, where we help at home. We have to attack it by providing educational opportunities and not necessarily four-year degrees. We have to attack it where people can go and get a certification and do a job that they Mm -hmm. love. Even if it means going to school and being an entrepreneur, hey, that's fantastic because that's your passion. We're all better at what we're good at. And that's why it's important. So we've done a a lot of work around here to try and get uh, land to to build a structures on so that we can bring the black community back into downtown Durham or you know right you know <clears throat> here back to even uh Haytai yes yeah. which we know we lost when the highway came through yeah, yeah I exactly. mean yeah our people are due and for those of us you know are we our brother's keeper absolutely yeah yeah. Absolutely. So for those of us who can, we yeah. do. If you know better, you do better. 
do better. So cool. that's Thanks. what it is for us to do. I know it is for us to do. It's for us to reach back and, and pull somebody up and, and, and keep it moving. But before, I, I, yeah, thanks for, I'm so glad you got to do the justice movements. I really wanted you to plug that in. Thank I know you. we talked about a little bit of webinar, but I want this one to be kind of recorded so people want to learn more about it. They can, but I think for me, the only thing I want to say about it is people had to pay, I want people to pay attention as to who the co-directors are, co-executor. That's a warden and a police chief. And I, I have to quote this, and now I've been using it to uh, LA, uh, said, said it a couple of times, and it made, when you said it out loud, it made perfect sense of the work that I'm doing, right? You said, they made a mistake and let me come in and figure out how the system worked. Oh, they should have never done that. <laughs> they never should have done that. Because and, what they did was, you said a warden and a police chief. Well, actually what they did was they let a poor little black girl and a poor little black boy grow up to be um, a warden and a police chief, figure out the system who also has a love and a propensity for uh, social justice. I, I'm also the yep. chairperson of the Southern Coalition of Social Justice. Yeah. So um, yeah. at on the yeah. community advisory board yeah. at the sheriff's office, I mean, it's all justice. And that's yeah. the reason why yeah. It's the justice movement. Yeah. It's it's all justice. It's all, yeah. But, it's, it, but it's, justice. it's just the fact when you when people hear and think about it, look at the code, listen, that's a warden and a police chief helping individuals who are returning from because you don't, you know, depending on where your head is in the space, and you're like, that don't even sound right. You know, but <laughs> I mean, you know, when you when some people Sounds might good like, hey, you made a police chief and a warden are helping people coming back out trying to make sure. It don't sound right, but see that, but that just says you don't understand what this is about. This is about oh, absolutely human, not. This is I about mean, BJ, it's because beings. right is right, right yeah. is right, and wrong yeah. is wrong. Yeah, this is and about human justice. Beings. Justice is justice. Yeah, it's yeah. not just justice when a person looks a certain way, or yeah. when they're or, or or when they have a certain pedigree. That's yeah. not what it is. It's justice for everyone. And if that's not right, then those of us who have been fortunate enough and worked hard enough to get into position, it's up to us to make it right, to make Hello. it fair for everybody. Hello. Otherwise, we don't deserve to be there. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Look, cool. So thank you. I've enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. This has been awesome. I love it. Yeah. And again, I'm glad to be a part of it. Glad you asked me uh to be a part of it so thanks for coming on and we've learned a lot for those of you um we'll, we'll have a link uh to the justice movement so you can learn more about it i have some information on on when we release the podcast so you'll be able to to, to do the link and and hopefully for those of you especially for those of you who, who live in the bull city if you want to get involved we, we definitely would love for you to be involved with the justice movement uh to help this make uh this <laughs> to make this thing successful it's going to be successful because they there we've got Absolutely. two we've got two leaders in the position we've got individuals who are working there that are passionate about it and want to do that and, and i think that's what it's all about it's about the love it's hard work and we're trying to do that so thank you for that thank you for being here and for those of you that um again who are usually my regulars that tune in thank you very much hope you have enjoyed la before we go anything your last comment voice before we get out of here anything you want to say no, nothing at all. I mean, yeah. you know, stand in your purpose. That's stand it. Purpose. Stand in your purpose. Do something. If all of us would do one thing, there you go. Do you one go. thing, just what we can do. Don't worry about how big the problem is. That's right. If we all just lift our piece, BJ, 
Yes. We got this. There you go. I love it. What well, some way in there gonna be the title of the podcast. So let's just let's just so you know. <laughs> some way in there gonna be the podcast. So like a, you know, thanks everybody for joining us. And as always, stay well, stay safe. Peace. <laughs>